or walked in their players' lounge after at Bournemouth, and Harry Redknapp was in the corner having a scotch. And he said, Chris, come over here. And he said, can you tell me how much you earn working for BT and how much you earn for Windsor and Eaton? He said, well, I'll tell you what, I can't offer you enough to compare with that, but I'd love you to come to Bournemouth. And I'll never, ever forget that. Welcome to the latest episode of Wearing the Red and Green. This week, I'm delighted to be speaking with Windsor and Eaton's record goalscorer, Chris Yates. In eight years at Stagmado, Chris scored over 190 goals. We discuss his love for Windsor and Eaton, some of his favourite goals, when he came up against the legendary Chopper Harris, and why he turned down that offer from Harry Redknapp. I hope you enjoy the episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's brilliant to have you on. Thanks very much, Michael. I've been really looking forward to it all day. So um, your book has brought back many memories for me. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Now, listen, I was going to I was going to start by asking you to recount every goal that you've scored for Windsor. <laughs> but I'm conscious we probably haven't got enough time to get through all 190 plus of them. Um, but where I do want to start is by asking you, do you ever miss playing? Do you ever miss the thrill of scoring goals and ever think, you know, could I just pull on those boots one more time? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I mean, I, I don't so much now, obviously, but the first sort of four or five years where I didn't, you know, when I didn't start, I stopped playing and basically because of an arthritic hip, really. Um, uh, it was murder every Saturday afternoon. You know, autumn, winter, spring, I, I just missed it so much. But what I missed most about was the, the camaraderie and um, the dressing room and the general banter we had at Windsor and Eaton for those seven or eight years I was there. Um, such a, a nice bunch of fellas we played with. And and quite, quite often, I think, it, it didn't change too much. From the first year I got there to the end, there was only one year where everyone disappeared to Woking. But generally, when I finished, most of the lads were there when I first got there. So it was it was just a good friendship for so many people, I think. It's remarkable, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll come on to a few of those bits that you mentioned just there in a minute. But mm. if we go back to the start, so back in 1979, yeah. um, what was your career before Windsor? And, and how did the move to Windsor come about? Well, that's a good story, actually, behind this, because I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for Jeff Chappell, I probably would never have turned up at Windsor. Um, in 1979, 78-79, I played for Farnham Town in the London Spartan League. And that year, we won the, the Spartan League Cup. And Jeff was manager of Alton. And I believe they beat you in the Athenian League Cup. That's right. Yeah, anyway. So uh, Jeff, I'd known for years, and he really had a chat with me and said, look, come on, you know, you played in the London Spartan League, now make a step up to the Athenian League, come over to Alton. And I love Farnham as well, to be quite honest. I'm a hometown, and uh, we just won the Cup. And once again, it was a great team, great team spirit. But I'm, I was quite ambitious. So um, I said to Jeff, I'll tell you what, I'll come over for a bit of pre-season training, see how I go, and then we'll take it from there. 
So along I went and there was Bob King and Russ McCulloch there and uh, Jeff and I made my mind up to go to Alton. And um, the week before the season started in the Athenian League, we had a friendly. Um, I don't know who it was against or where it was at. But anyway, I remember playing in it. We drew 2-2 and we were all sat in the changing rooms and the chairman of Alton came in and just said, I'm sorry, lads, I can't sustain the club any longer. Uh, I'm going to leave. And that obviously means everything I've promised you is not going to take place. Um, so we all walked out. They're all devastated because those boys have been at Alton for, oh. for a few years, you know. Anyway, I said, I just said on the way home, Jeff took me to training that that, that game that night. And I just said to Jeff, I, I'll just go back to farm, Jeff. I said, I'll go back and play and, and, and be happy there. He said, well, hold on, Chris. He said, I might have an option. So um, I said, well, what, what's that then? He said, well, I know Brian Cater and Colin Lippiot from uh, Windsor Eaton, uh, who we beat in the final last year. And he said, um, if anything happened, they'd be very interested. I said, yeah, but they wouldn't be interested in me. They'd be interested in you, Bobby and Ross. He said, yes, I know, but I'll have a work and I'll see how it goes. I said, well, make it quick, Jeff, because it's only a week before the season starts and I want to be in the first league game. I said, um, and let me know. So that's what happened. And then he came back two days later and he said, yeah, they want you to come up uh, and train and we'll take it from there. And that's how I got to Windsor. Um, it was all purely because of Jeff Chapel, really, purely Jeff. And um, when I first started, I couldn't get in the side, you know. I mean, they didn't really? to be Yeah, to be fair to Brian and, and Colin, they, they didn't know me from Adam, you know. They knew yeah, Bob yeah, yeah. Ross and, and Jeff. And at first 10 or 12 games, I couldn't even get on the subs bench. Um, and I was going to go, I was just going to leave. I, I said to Brian, I remember saying it to Brian, you know, I just want to play football. You know, I'm 22. I want to play football. If things don't break soon, I'll, I'll just go back to farming. And he was, he was, he's lovely. Brian and Colin have gone really well with, and they were a fantastic pair. And then one night, he, he put me on the bench. I think it was Chalfons and Peter. And I come on with about a quarter of an hour to go, and I played midfield. And I had a decent game for 15 minutes. And Colin comes straight up to me. You know what Colin was like, so bubbly and all that, because I think we won. It was quite happy. He said, you'll be in Saturday, Chris. And then it all went from there. All went from there. And he played me up front. How do you get in with Lance McDougan and Ross McCulloch up front? Well, you play three. So I played left wing. And that's where it all started. And it just went from there. But I would not have been at Windsor if it weren't for Jeff, really. Wow. I love that story. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. And that was... Um... I mean, and I, I mentioned it on the, the conversations with uh, Kevin, um, but that was a special side that seventy nine, eighty, and eighty, eighty one. Like, what what made it, from your perspective, such a special side to play in? Well, I, I think we just all clicked. Yeah, you, you, you know what I'm saying. I, I don't know what you, you can't actually put your finger on, it, but just everyone got on with it, each other. We had some fantastic players. You know, I, I, I made a step up and it took me a struggle to get inside. But when I look back and, you know, you got Lance up front, and you had Rossi up front, you had Kevin Hill was there, you know, you had Colin Smith. Uh, um, Kevin wasn't quite there, I don't think, when I first got there. He came halfway through that season, I believe. But yeah, John Mitchell, oh my God, you know, all these players. And um, Roger Harris, very underrated, you know, not the greatest footballer in the world, but my God. 
he'd give 100, 110% every year and won some tackles where you wouldn't believe. And he was a real sort of fireball and, you know, got stuck in. He was he won loads of games for us just by his pure fight. You know, so I just think everybody clicked. Everyone enjoyed themselves. And one thing I always remember is we always used to have a little uh, players uh, bar, you know, players bar. Right? Yep. And we always go there, grab something to eat, and within half an hour we're back in the supporters bar. And it was like the supporters were part of the team. And it was all the club rather than just the team and it was separate from the, from the supporters. Everybody got to know everybody. It was fantastic. fantastic. And just, well, that's something that I think was actually, I'm not sure if unique is the right word, but all the way through kind of certainly that history of the eight, 70s, 80s, into the 90s, 2000s, <laughs> that was always the case at Windsor. Yeah. Um, that it did feel like just one family. Yeah. Yeah, but you had to win their respect as well, Michael. Yeah, you know, I mean, totally. You know, but but the team did that in itself with all the players we had. You know, and I, I hope and I think we gave them a lot of pleasure in those those years, and um, they paid us back by having a camaraderie with us, the team. You know, and uh, I think that's part of the team spirit that never say die attitude come from. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally. And obviously, you talk about success. There was we won. Two Athenian league titles, the League yep. Cup. Um, but they had those two long FA Vars runs against the quarterfinals and the semi-finals. What do you remember about those VAR, those Vars campaigns? Well, both being devastated after the games. Um, but um I remember the first one, the Gisborough game. Um, my wife had just had our first child two days before the game. And um she had a she had Cheryl, my daughter, about 3.33 in the morning on uh, Friday morning. And I think the team went up there the night before. And basically, I drove myself up there. Well, my brother drove myself up there. And uh, we met them up there. So I was, you know, I was sleeping in the car on the way up. Um, but that day, you know, we should have won that game at Gisborough. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, we didn't play that well. But basically, we had, oh, I thought, two very good goals disallowed. Um, and it just didn't go our way. The bounces didn't go our way. But uh, do you know what? I still think I didn't have a good game. And uh, it's probably because I was up very, very early that morning. What commitment, though, right? I can thank my daughter, really, for coming so early, 3.33 in the morning. So, you know, if it was any later, <laughs> I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, in the following season, we went one step closer, but yeah. still that heartbreak away at Wickham. Um, I, I will always remember the first leg. Um, the, the wind was blowing straight down the pitch. Oh, the, it was horrendous. It was like a hurricane, you know. And, and we were kicked with the wind first half. And um, I remember Wickham broke away and scored against the wind in the first five minutes. And I thought, oh my God, you know, you've got two legs to go. We're five, one, one down after five minutes. We're kicking with the wind. It's going to be one way traffic in the second half when, the, when they had the wind with them. But to be quite honest, once again, we showed what a great team spirit we had. And second half, we absolutely put them under all sorts of pressure. And um, I re- remember Bob lobbing the keeper, what, with about 20, 25 minutes to go to make it 1-1. And then we just poured it on, but just couldn't get another goal. Uh, but I do remember getting kicked to high heaven as well as others that day because they weren't messing about. Wickham, um, bunch of ex-professionals, I, I think you'll find, and uh, uh, rough and ready and hard. It was, you know, and the referee got let them get away with it there. 
And of course, the second leg, you know, we were expecting the same thing and exactly the same thing happened, really. Uh, although saying that, we didn't have many chances and they dominated the game. But I couldn't see them scoring. And then, unfortunately, um, Colin Swift went off injured in, in extra time, I think, and uh, Nobby Beckett came on a sub. And I'm not blaming Nobby at all, but I just remember that ball dropping over Bob King's head and in between him and Nobby. And, mate, just putting it past Kevin for the uh, 1-0 victory for them. But the journey home was a very, very long journey home. Yeah, I can imagine. It was devastating because the whole coach, you know, it was silent all the way back. But um, so close yet so far, if you know what I'm saying. And I guess the key in those games, I remember Kevin and I spoke about this on on the podcast a few weeks ago. Mm. You know, you really got to win the home games, haven't you? In when you have those two leg two yeah. leg affairs. Yeah. Well, I remember on training on the uh, Thursday before the Saturday, the first legs, and speaking to Colin Smith and saying, you know. He said to me, "What do you think, Yatesy? What, what, what do you think we we need?" I said, "Just a lead, mate. Just get you know one nil, two one, doesn't matter. Just get a lead, and we can take it up there because our defence, you know, Absolutely. Bob and Colin, Bob and Colin, just uh, they were like a perfect match. Bob slow, but won everything in the air. Smithy as fast as they come and just boot it into the crowd. He didn't play football, Colin. He just covered everything behind Bob." And I just fancied us to sort of keep them out. But, um, you know, I can remember that saying that on the Thursday night. And then, unfortunately, we just got a 1-1 result in the first first leg. And I think that probably done it. Because I'm, I'm sure we could have got a nil-nil up there. Sure, we could have got a nil-nil and taken us through. But who want, everyone wanted to play at Wembley. They they wanted it as much as us. And it just happened to be. But that crowd up there, it's like playing in a park. And there's 4,000 people there. And, you know, scary. Scary, Michael. Very scary. <laughs> now, you mentioned about um, Colin and Bob built that real strong partnership at the mm. back. Mm. Up top, for mm. quite a few years, you and Ross had that really strong partnership. Yeah. Up top. Yeah. What, what did you enjoy most about playing alongside him and why do you think that partnership worked so well? I, I think we had a sort of bit of an understanding, really. Bob, it was a bit like Bob and Colin. Um Ross used to win everything in the air and it was brave as they come. I wasn't as brave as Ross, <laughs> um, but quite quick over the sort of five, ten yards. And I just used to feed off him. You know, it, it was fantastic. And we had a sort of telep- a telepathy that um, that you get from playing with each other for a while. And, and it just, over the years, uh, just got better and better. But another one you shouldn't take it uh, a thing out is Lance Cadogan. Yeah, I was going to mention Lance as well. You know, he was strong, powerful, quick, and put the ball in the back of the net when there was a chance. Any one on one, you knew he was going to score. You knew he was going to score, and uh, we had a lethal attack. You know, a lethal attack, and that, and that one was games as well. So it was just really the midfield we had to worry about, really. <laughs> <laughs> Now another 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 standout game during that period was when we had the friendly against Red Star Belgrade. Yep. Um, who at the time were one of the best teams in European football. Yeah. Um, what was that like? One to play in a game like that, but two, I guess, to test yourself up against arguably some of the best defenders in European football. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I remember that game for two things, really. Uh, first of all, we'd beaten Hungerford 1-0 on the Saturday in the quarter, uh, quarterfinal of the Vars, I believe. And I remember turning, and that was a hard enough game, believe me, because, you know, Ross scored a cracking goal, but it was a tough old game against Hungerford away. And then having to come Sunday and play against Red Star at Belgrade, it tested our fitness, to say the least, Michael, you know. And it was a, the pitch was heavy at Windsor, as it normally was, and it was tough, but Oh, the crowd were fantastic, you know. Just running out onto the pitch when you get a crowd that size makes you feel 10 foot tall. Absolutely made you 10 foot tall. And and quite honestly, playing against, well, the European champions as such was fantastic. But they were professional. No no Mickey taking, no nothing. They wanted to win as much as we wanted to win. But all I remember is the second half, I was out on my feet I wasn't never the fittest of fellas, not like Ross. Ross could run for England and there's a few others who could do do that as well. But I just remember coming off and my legs just felt like 10 ton weights. But it was a great occasion. We had a mural afterwards with them. Uh, very professional. Um, no Mickey taking. Like I said, they wanted to beat us as much as we wanted to beat them. But it was a great, great afternoon. Now, at the end of that season, the team broke up. You kind of alluded to earlier and everyone everyone went to, to Woking. A couple of questions here. Like, firstly, I guess, how much of a shock was it for you and the squad when Brian and Colin announced that they were leaving? Mm-hmm. And I guess what was going through your mind and, and what made you decide to stay when everybody else decided to move on? Um, well... I expect most of the team knew, uh, as well as I did, that um, Colin and Brian were going. Before that cup final, we had a cup final, I believe, at, uh, I think it was Edgware, was it? I'm not, I'm not sure. Hendon, somewhere up there, uh, we had a cup final. I think we lost 3-0, I, I believe. But um, everyone knew what was going to go on. Uh, we just didn't know what club he was going to. But um, it, it was, I think the cup final caused us to play the way we did because we just thought everything was splitting up. You know, this this team that was so much fun over the two years and so much success was all going to be nothing, you know. Anyway, what went on is like normal is Colin and Brian obviously took a lot of our players, um, which is understandable because they were playing a higher league, Woking, and they wanted, they were ambitious like, like I was when I first came to Windsor. But, I'll tell you this. I mean, I, Brian and Colin, I, I got on really well with and, and Colin's the funniest man alive. You know, I used to have hour-long conversations on the phone with him. And um, But we did have a bust-up. I mean, um, we were playing Fleet Town at the end of the season. And, uh, well, things were said in the dressing room, which I probably regret now. But I said to Bob and Ross, I, I, I won't play for Colin and Brian again. And that end of the season there um, was enough for Jeff to persuade me to stay at Windsor. But it didn't take a lot of persuading because I knew Jeff would do a great job. I didn't know at that time Alfie was going to come as well. And I just enjoyed myself so much. It didn't take a lot of, you know, persuading me. Let's put it like that, Michael. And and me and Colin still got on well because we spoke to him. Colin used to speak for hours on the phone and he'd chat away. And then he just finished this. Did you see EastEnders last night, Chris? I said, no, mate, I don't watch these things. Oh, God, it was shocking, I tell you. Anyway, I've got to go, bye. And that's, he used to just finish his conversations just like that. 
as he did in training. And it, he, he's the funniest man alive. I, I really enjoyed my time with them too. They were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. Uh, that, that bust up was purely heat of the moment stuff. Never affected our relationships afterwards. But um, I just made up my mind that, uh, you know, about three, three, three games to go of the season and that was it really. So, you know, that, that all fell into place with Jeff coming into Windsor. I was going to say, it must have helped as well, knowing that Jeff, that you were close to, yeah, was taken yeah. over as well at Windsor. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jeff kept saying to me, you're not going to work in. You're not going to work in. You're staying here. You're staying here, Yacy. You're not going anywhere near work in. And, you know, Jeff's pretty persistent. And I said, he's always been the best salesman in the world, Jeff. And uh, uh, we had a great relationship for a long, many years. And uh, it didn't take a lot to persuade me, to be honest. Trevor, Trevor, I don't know what happened with Trevor because I think Trevor hadn't been there that long. But you could always see Trevor was going to be a good player. And when he persuaded, when I heard he was staying, I was chuffed a bit, you know. But um, but when we turned up for pre-season training, I didn't know anybody. But apart from Trevor and Jeff and Alfie, that was it. I didn't know anybody. All the rest were all new players Jeff had brought in. And, uh, and that's what I was going to ask next. Like, how difficult, different was that? Like you say, you've been a, a stalwart of the club, but suddenly, literally, it's you, Trevor, Jeff, everyone else is new. Mm. How difficult was that? Difficult to adjust, new teammates, start a play, etc. Oh, yeah. I mean, Alfie was very professional. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think he was the best coach I played under. And I think a lot of people will say that. And I didn't, I wasn't anywhere near when he came back to Windsor after he'd finished there. But Alfie, I enjoyed his training sessions were brilliant. You know, always enjoyable, never dull, boring, you know, run, run, run. Alfie devised something every training session. Everything was professional about Alfie. Jeff got the players, sold the club to everybody. It was it was like a dream team to me. You know, it, it was the perfect scenario, them two together. But the players who come in, I don't know, it's, once again, I don't know if it's a Windsor, Windsor and Eaton thing, but everyone just got on again. You know, Frilly came. Mark Davis came, um, a couple of others, you know, and they just got on, you know, just got on with it. And and I thought we had a great season considering we, you know, we'd had very much so. going. I know a few come back during the season, but, you know, fully, you just had to put it behind the fullback and he was gone. You know, he's so quick, so fast and, you know, and he scored goals as well, but uh, made my life a lot easier. But um I can't remember. I know Dave Lansley came. I don't know if he came for that season, but Dave was another one I really enjoyed playing with. But, you know, it, 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 it was just another camaraderie and once again got on with the supporters and it became one club again. But it took a few weeks, obviously. But uh, you've got to thank Jeff and, and Alf for that because he, he cre- they created that, really. They created that. And we, are, we got off to a cracking start. You know, I think we won six or seven games on the top, the first six or seven games, if I write. Or if not, one five out of six, one or the other. But um, no, it's it's just Windsor and Eaton again. You know, it just it, everyone bonded. Everyone had a great time. Everyone, you know, just got on and wanted to win. And of course, that was then the start of some terrific FA Cup games and yeah. FA Cup runs. Um, yeah. If we start with 
like Brentford. I think Brentford was the first on that list. What were your yeah. memories from that game? And actually, one of the supporters asked me to ask you about your your uh, your your dual or relationship in that game with Chopper Harris. Well, you know, I'd be fair to Chopper. He was uh, he was at the end of his career. I don't think he was there, but um, I just remember for half an hour, I thought we held our own, and it was going to be a you know a, a close close game. And then I saw. Uh, from the other end of the pitch, Chris Kamari at a 25-yarder right in the top corner. And uh, it, we just, well, we just collapsed after that, unfortunately. But it was great playing in front of the crowd and, and all that. But, you know, Phil White was up front. Dickie Briggs, I think, but he played his first. It Was it Dickie Briggs who played his first game in that game? Yes. Alfie got him from the army and um, he played and he put him straight in, you know. Um, but I just remember... No, I just thought there was hope after 30 minutes. And um, then they got three goals in the last quarter of the first half and and really we, we lost it then. But um, it was all a brand new experience and uh, the FA Cup runs are the biggest ones. Biggest ones. I don't know how much money they would have made from it now because I know every round you get round, you get so much money, don't you, for the, for the FA Cup. But I don't think it was the case in those days. I'm not sure. Nowhere near as much as what you get today. No, definitely. it might have it might have saved the club. I don't know, but if if the same sort of prize money oh, for totally, yeah, totally. Um, but I, just to build up, you know, the press. You know, the Saturday morning we always used to have lunch and train in the morning of the FA Cup game and all that sort of thing. You you don't forget those sort of things. Now, obviously, a number of the players started to return from Woking, and then we had the the Bournemouth the famous Bournemouth game. Yeah. Talk, talk through your memories of that game and the draw for the draw against Man United, the well, two games themselves. Well, first of all, the, the Burton game, the round before, was yeah. an absolute cracker. You know, that's another day I'll never forget. I don't want to spend too much time on that because obviously you want to talk about the Bournemouth game. but No, but that Burton game was a special game. Uh, a special game and the last 20 minutes it was like the Alamo you know Michael it's uh, how we hung on for a 2-1 win I do not know but um, it was great and the elation in the dressing room if you could add a camera in there in the dressing room afterwards with Alfie Alfie was in tears you know he, he was so proud of us and all that and uh, it's another thing that you know brings bonds the team together you know when you see someone else is so pleased that we've done what we've done it just brings everybody together but anyway, moving on to the Bournemouth game, you know, I, I, I know we got called off on the Saturday um, because of the lovely pitch at Winston. <laughs> it was a bog fest. And um, of course, that, that uh, Saturday night, the draw with the Man United draw was uh, absolutely another uh, night I'll never forget. We The Farnham boys all went out together after we heard the draw because, you know, we couldn't go up the Windsor if someone had to drive. But um, the Bournemouth first game, you know, I thought, we held our own. I probably think the draw was a fair result, to be fair. I mean, um, we gave them a hard time on that pitch, but, you know, it, it was great. And uh, once again, the crowd, when you ran out on that pitch, 10 foot tall, 10 foot tall, everybody felt and just gave everything. And so close again, you know, one little slip. I, I remember I had a chance about five minutes from the end that I just didn't react to and I could have kicked myself, you know, but... Uh, it's just one of those things. But the second game, the build-up for that, and knowing that we're playing Man United if we get through and all that. And once again, I, I think in the first half at Bournemouth, we had a strong win behind us. And Colin Smith had a great chance from a corner. 
and they had another great chance. And, and I think we had majority of the possession in the first half with a win with us. But unfortunately, couldn't put our chances away. Um, and second half, once again, I was at the other end of the pitch when I saw a screamer go in the top corner. Even Kevin Mitchell couldn't save it. So that must have been a good shot. You know, it must have been a cracking cracking goal. But the whole experience was fantastic. Uh, I remember the Bournemouth fans gave us a load of pomade and, and drink to take home on the bus afterwards. They were absolutely spot on, clapped us off the pitch. I think it was about six and a half thousand, seven thousand people there, but I can remember the noise they made. It, it, it was great. Of course, they went on and beat Man United, didn't they? So it was it was a great experience, and uh, never never ever forget. I walked in the players' lounge after at Bournemouth, and Harry Redknapp was in the corner having a scotch, and he said, "Chris, come over here." And he said, "Can you tell me how much you earn working for BT and how much you earn for Windsor and Eaton?" He said, well, I'll tell you what, I can't offer you enough to compare with that, but I'd love you to come to Bournemouth. And I'll never, ever forget that. And he was such a nice fella because then he, he spoke to Jeff and Elf after that as well. And uh, it was one of those things. It's just now, looking back on what Harry's done since then, you just think, can't, can't believe it. What an experience. What an experience. I was going to say, that was literally going to be my question. I heard that uh, Harry wanted to sign you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, and was it? I mean, I guess it probably wasn't an official offer, right? But no, I, I guess you know. I know that you had a good job at BT, and um... well, I'll, I'll be honest, it was the second time they'd approached me. Actually, um, Harry, that was more unofficial, and Jeff and Alfie got involved and all that. But really, you know, he basically poo-pooed it on the head when I I told him all the you know circumstances. I had two kids then, you know. I'm getting on a bit, 26, 27, whatever it was. I can't remember. I, I couldn't risk it. I love my job. You know, I love my BT job that I was doing. I love playing for Windsor and Eaton, you know. And I didn't want to go somewhere and think, oh, I've got four years. I don't make it in four years or five years. What am I going to do after that? That All those sort of things come into your head when you've got two kids, don't they, Michael? You know, that's, that's the thing. But I had an offer from Dave Webb when uh, he was manager at Bournemouth. And Ken Cornwall was the chairman and he was also on the committee at Bournemouth and they uh, he invited Dave Webb up to watch a game we played at Windsor and I think we won 7-2 and I think I scored four goals believe it or not and Dave Webb rung me the next day you know and I I think um, it got to the point where we're actually talking about money I I was actually quite younger than two or three years younger Um, but in the end you know I even went down to Bournemouth had a look around and everything Um, but it didn't go any further than that. But um, I know Dave Webb was a pretty hard negotiator. Let's put it like that. <laughs> but um, I can imagine what his training sessions were like. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it was good. But he was very polite. And when I said no, he was absolutely fine. He said, "I'm." He thinks he's. I'm making a mistake. But you would, wouldn't you? You know, you, you wanted to sign somebody, and uh, it didn't happen. You, you probably are thinking. Should have done it. Should have given it a go. And look, my wife wanted me to go. She she said, "Let's do it, Chris. Let's go." You know. And I said, "But trust your gut, though. You got to trust." Uh, your- well, I think once again, I just had my first one. I think uh, first child, and that's uh, a big risk, isn't it? Big risk. I wasn't eighteen, nineteen. I was mm. twenty three, twenty four, and I didn't. You know, I just, I just didn't want to risk that sort of thing. If I hated my job. You know, I didn't like playing for Windsor and Eaton. I might have considered it, but I'd love both of them. So, you know, that was turned down. But 
very professional. I, I think Brian and Colin were actually manager and assistant manager there. And uh, they contacted him because Ken Cornwall was obviously chairman, so they had to do things right. And I remember Brian trying to make me sign a contract just in case I went to Bournemouth because obviously they would get a fee and I didn't want to and all that sort of thing. But uh, it all went through the loop. And um, in the end, I just said, no, I wouldn't do it. But that was that was more official than Harry Redknapp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how funny that it kind of went full circle. Full circle, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Ken wasn't involved when Harry was there. I think Ken had re- resigned from chairman of Windsor and and off the board of directors at Bournemouth as well, I think. Um, so he wasn't really involved, but it was only that um, Ken invited Dave up to watch that game that night and that it will become apparent. Now, during that period, we obviously we obviously had the FA Cup runs. We were getting promotions through the leagues. Yeah. How was that in terms of transitioning every time to a, a step up? Like, did, did the FA Cup games help in that regard that you were playing bigger teams and, I don't know, it helped him from a confidence level, knowing, you know, you can compete at these high levels? Because literally it was successive promotions. Yeah. Yeah, no, but... I think by the time we reached the top, the ESPN Premier, I think we were together so long we could read each other's games. And, you know, everybody was super fit because you had to be. And and everyone could sort of read each other's games and we're just a unit. You know, every there was not many changes from when we got promoted to the ESPN Premier from the previous year. You know, we had a couple. I think, did Woodsy come in for the, uh, Mark Woods come in for yes. the, uh, that season? No, yeah. that's the first season in the Premier. Yeah, I, I'm not sure Bob was there. I, I don't know if it was in, in place of Bob or Colin. It was in, it was in place of Colin. Colin, yeah. So he came in, but there was only two or three changes, you know, two or two changes. So we'd been playing for four, five, six years together, most of us. And uh, But I do remember the very first game, and I, I know Mark Woods mentioned it, the Harrow game, the very first game. I remember the last 20 minutes, uh, my, my lungs were burning. They put us on so much pressure and the ball was just whizzing around us, you know. I just I don't know if I can I can't don't know if I can last another ten minutes, let alone anything else. But you had to be super fit. But your body adjusts to it, you know, give it three, four, five games, bang, it was became the norm. And that's why I always think people should give it a go if they if they, if they could, because I think people and players adjust to the higher standard, but they just got to give themselves time, you know. But Harrow was uh Oh, it was hot, it, oh, lungs burning. And I think we we drew 1-1, but I think we took the lead and we were hanging on. And uh, when they equalised, I thought it was a bit like Burton, the last 20 minutes of Burton, I think. It was like the Alamo, but till we hung on for a draw. But, uh, I, yeah, it was a great experience. I'll never forget those those days. And what a confidence booster as well, though, right? In terms of um, when you're playing the league, you know, you've just been promoted, you're playing the league champions first game of the season away from home and you've been able to go there and pick up a result. Mm. Um, obviously a, a draw, but you picked up a result. I mean, that's a big confidence booster. Yeah, well, I think we started off well again, didn't we? Didn't we? Mm. I'm not sure, but I, I think, were we top after so many six games? We were definitely or? towards the top, but then obviously Jeff left not not long yeah, after. Yeah, he left at the end of September, I think, um, to go to Woking. I think it was his dream job, really. And, and you know, and he's always wanted a manager Woking at the end of the day. And he, he, he thought that's the chance because they were 
in a lower division than us and just saw it as an opportunity more than anything else. But the good news was Alfie took over and once again, professional, you know, didn't it didn't change one bit, really. You know, we had the team together anyway. All he did was took over Rangers coach and manager and uh, Laurie came and helped out and I got on super weird. Laurie was a great asset to the club as well. And it just carried on. And um, the first, I think we, we won five out of six, something like that. And then we had to play Slough. Was it Slough away? And we got beat 3-1. But I remember that night, we had about five or six out injured. Um, you know, they gave us good drubbing, really. Mm. Um, but if we'd had our full team out, I'd fancy us to beat anybody at that stage because the confidence was just full, you know, full on. You know, we'd had a great start. This is the Premier League. We can do it. Come on. And all that. But... You know, it, it, it faded a little bit, to be fair, but we still finished fifth or sixth, I think. Well, and we had a um, another FA Cup run, another oh. FA Cup run with Gillingham. Yes. What yeah. do you remember about that game? I remember the weather. It was absolutely <laughs> teeming down all day. How those supporters stood in those open stands, <laughs> we can only thank them for staying all the time. <laughs> but, my God, it never stopped the whole 90 minutes. And um, to be standing out there... I, I, can only but admire those people who watched that game. That game, but um, now once again, you know, I, I think we acquitted ourselves well. I think Gillingham did put us under a lot of pressure, and and Cascarino scored that goal, and then another one, I think, bobbled off someone's knee and went in, and then I think I scored in the last minute. And even after scoring last minute, we had two or three chances where we could have equalised. We we actually put them under the under the, under the cush, you know, but. Uh, you know what it's like when you know it's flooded. The pitch was flooded almost, and um, it once again great experience um, showed ourselves up to be a real good team. You know, never let anybody down, and could have got away with a draw. Could have got away with a draw, but um, it was it, all those FA Cup games. The first rounds were were brilliant, and the, the lead up and the press coverage and the radio coverage was great, great. And I remember Woodsy saying about that Gillingham game that. I think they were the highest ranked team yeah. that we could have got at that stage of the draw yeah. because it was geographic, yeah. et cetera. But they were the, yeah. the highest ranked team that we could have, we could have got. And as you say, yeah. we could have won it. Yeah. I, I, I think also there's a little bit of, you know, we're only playing Windsor and Eaton. You know, um, were they as motivated as they normally would be? Um, but we certainly were. Um, but I, I just think they just... Cascarina, a couple of other players, just a little bit fitter than us, you know, and and probably that's what turned the game. Really, they've been slightly fitter than us. Um, but it, it was a great day out, and um, once again, so bitterly disappointing, really, because we felt we could have got a draw and brought it back to our place, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. What about the Torquay game? A lot of people thought that was the game where we, you know, in terms of where they were in the league and yeah. that was the game we could have won. Definitely. And, and I still say now their, their goal was lucky, a lucky goal. Um, and we had the vast majority of possession, if I remember right. And, then, and Mark scored the goal. but And then I think once again, we sort of, it was almost like the Alamo the other way around. We really pressed for a winner and couldn't quite get it in. Um um, they were bottom of the table, I think, Division Three then, and, and we were still on a high, and uh, we we should have won that one. 
as Mark said in the, in his, um, he, he thought we could have won it and we should have won it. They were a poor side. But going down there for the uh, replay on a Tuesday night and well, if you've seen the dressing rooms, they were they were worse than Windsor's, um, if you know what I'm saying. And it's not the most pleasant place to be on a Tuesday night, a cold Tuesday night, and uh, getting ready for a game like that. And uh, I think it was 3-0. I think they beat us 3-0 and uh, deservedly so. We didn't turn up that night, unfortunately. Now, in those, um, your latter years at the club, we had a couple of friendlies as well against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Arsenal's complete first-team squad. I mean, yeah. Slough Town recently, uh, beginning of this season, played a friendly against their under-18s and what have you. But in those days, I mean, it was their full first-team. What was, again, what were those games like as an experience to suddenly play against these um, first division as it was then? Players, ah, oh, fantastic! And whoever got them down, I'm sure it's um, Mr. Hill Woods got them down to players. They deserve every credit because the crowd was good. It must have raised lots of funds for Windsor and Eton. But the fact that I was playing against Pat Jennings, who's my all-time Spurs hero, uh, made another choice was absolutely fantastic. But I hated getting the the autograph. I made my wife go up and get his autograph for me. But I just remember his hands. It's so big and his fingers so long. And I remember hitting a shot from 20 yards. I thought, well, that's going in. And he didn't even dive. He just picked it out, top corner, just bounced it and threw the ball out. And I thought, oh, my God. you know. But, uh, yeah, I think Martin Keown was playing, Charlie Nicholas, um, Brian Talbot, all those were playing. Tony Wilcock, I think they all played. And, you know, again, though, running out against those guys, it was just major foul, 10 foot tall. 10 foot tall and the atmosphere... Yeah, because they're both evening games and uh, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, once again, you'll never forget those times. And um, I certainly haven't, you know, I certainly haven't. But uh, afterwards, you know, speeches and they hung around for a beer afterwards. They all had a beer. Mind you, they were well known there for having their beers at that stage, weren't they? But uh, they were really professional and really good. And although I'm a Spurs fan, uh, they'd done themselves credit both them games because they they turned up and acted as if it was a proper game. You know they did they didn't mess. But they wanted to win like Red Star, and they're professional and that's how it should be. We wouldn't want to win if they th- if we felt that they let us win. So they'd done exactly the right thing and played a professional game. I do remember also Charlie Nicholas right under the, the main stand at Windsor. The ball was rolled out to him. And the ball rolled under under his foot and went off for a throw-in. And I remember the crowd gave him so much stick. Uh, I don't know why I remember that, but I just remember Charlie Nicholas sort of putting his hands in his head going, oh, my God, that's how embarrassing. But uh, that's another thing I remember from that night as well. Now, one story I forgot to ask you earlier, and I think it was Bob King that told me this in the book, that one of the seasons we got promoted, there was an end-of-season um, dinner or drinks in a hotel at Windsor, yeah. and then Prince Philip suddenly turned up. Yeah, Hart and Garter, wasn't it? Was it the Hart yeah, can you, can, you, can you remember that? Uh, yes. What was it like? What did he say to you? Yeah, no, he, he came around and spoke to everyone. He, he made a special, obviously, with Jeff being manager then, he uh, made a, a special mention to everyone. And uh, 
he was really polite, really, you know, down to earth. You know, you, you don't expect it. And um, we did know he was coming beforehand, but we didn't know how long he would stop. But he was, you know, an absolute gentleman, really. And uh, it's another experience. I've still got a picture here of a team with him at the front in, in my kitchen here, funny enough. But uh, he was a gentleman and um, spoke to everybody and really mixed in for the club. And uh, he didn't have far to go home, did he? Let's be honest. So uh, I think he might have had a few drinks. but. <laughs> <laughs> now you were obviously prolific at Windsor, all-time leading goal scorer. I know we mentioned Bournemouth came in for you a couple of times, but were you ever tempted to to, to leave Windsor and test yourself higher up? Uh, no, not really. It never, it never really happened. I had a couple of other non-league clubs come and, and speak to me in a couple of summers, but I didn't want to really. I. You know, we were winning everything. We had a great team there. Everything was rosy, you know. And, um, you know, the, the the only time really was, like I said, with the with the Colin and Brian bust up. I, I had made up my mind then, but I didn't know Colin was going to go to, Colin and Brian were going to go to Woking. So apart from that, no, I never did. The only time when I left was, I think I was at the end of my career, really. I've, I've had a couple of hip replacements and I really felt my one of my hips was really starting to affect me. You know, I lost a yard of pace and all that sort of thing. So the only reason I left Windsor was because Roy Merry, where they come in from Wokenham, and uh, I rung John Clements. I think John Clements had taken over from Laurie. That's right. And I spoke to him over the phone. And um, John, I, I just said, well, what's the position with me? He said, well, all he said to me was, you can come along to train if you want. And I thought, mm, that's a sign they don't really want me. And that's why I decided to seek another club, really. It, it wasn't, you know, it was obvious that he didn't really have in me in his plan. So uh, that's when I signed Wokenham. But that, how, long were you, how long were you at Wokenham for? Only, only five months. And then I went on loan to Woking, where, where Jeff was. So I oh, went I didn't on know loan that. for the second part of the season, of that season, to Woking with Jeff. Um, because I, 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 I just wanted to finish the season, really. Because, like I said, I, I could tell my hip was playing on, on me and... Uh, um, but I spent the second part with um, Jeff and Bill Stoves. Bill Stoves was a coach there then, and uh, finished there really after that that season with the with Wokingham and Woking. Going back to going back to Windsor, um, what made the club so special? Wow, I, th- I think I've, I've, I've spoken about it. Really, it was it was a case of you know all the fans knew the players, the players knew the fans. You know, it was yes, we'll have a drink in the players' lounge, have a bite to eat, but as soon as we can, we'll get out into the supporters' bar and mingle with the supporters. You know, that's what made it special. And also, the supporters used to travel on the coach to away games with us. You know, so you just knew everybody, and you knew how hard the committee worked. And how hard, I mean, Bill French was an absolute fantastic chairman for them. Ken Cornwall was a fantastic chairman for them all. And you just wanted to play for these people and make them, give them a bit of joy, you know. And and I think that's the bond between everybody at the club was, was I mean, we didn't have the greatest facilities, let's be honest. You know, we didn't, we weren't slough, were we? You know, <laughs> you know, but nobody wanted to move on because they were enjoying themselves all the time. And, and it wasn't just on the pitch, it was off it as well. 
you know, and success helps, doesn't it, too, much. Of course. You know, if you're getting beat every other week, it's not so much fun as if you're winning 80 or 90% of the time. Um, I, I just think that the whole integration of everybody was the, the main thing about Winter and Eaton. Because I, I never really, woke in and never really experienced that. I woke in, I didn't really experience that, although I wasn't there very long. Farnham was, was close to it, but not on the scale of Winter and Eaton. You know, and uh, that's definitely what made it special for me. Okay, Chris, um, I'm now going to go to our quick fire Uh section. Um, And as I've said to everyone thus far, they're quick questions I'm going to ask, but they're not going to necessarily be easy answers. No, no. So, <laughs> let's kick off. Best goal scored? What, for Windsor? Yep. Um, well, I've, I've still got a, a football here on a plaque. And I was given it by the supporters a week after we'd beaten Wokingham 5-0 at home. And I chipped the keeper from just inside the halfway line. And I remember the keeper because he was always mouthy, but off the pitch he was fine. But I remember that. And, and, and the, um, the supporters the next week gave me this plaque football with a wins meeting badge on it here in, in remembrance of the 5-0 defeat and the five goals I got. So I would say that chip from the halfway line was probably the best goal I scored for Windsor. Love that. Love that. Okay. Best strike partner. Well, I know he's a very good friend of mine, but Rossi McCulloch would take a lot of beating. Although saying that, I wouldn't mind Ginger Butler just playing behind us too, because Ginger Butler was a very, very good player. Um, but he didn't really play up front. He was just sort of just behind yeah. the strike. He used to play behind the strikers, but he had so much skill and, and talent. He was another lad, but... I enjoyed all of it. Even, I don't know if you remember Alan Coe. He came for a season yeah. from, uh, was it Aylesbury? I don't yeah. know. Another great, great, they got hold of some really good yeah, players. Fantastic players, aren't they? When I you go... don't know how they managed it. I really don't. But Alan Coe was a great lad and a, a great, you know, focus point for the attack and all that. But I've got to say, and I know he's one of my best mates and he still is and we see each other regularly, but Rossi McCulloch for me. Okay. Best centre half you played against? Oh, I can tell you now. They used to frighten the living daylights out of me. Go on. The two gullies at Sutton. Oh, I mentioned that the other day. Mate, if, if I was ever frightened to go out on the football pitch when they were playing, that was it. That what was, made them what made they them were evil? What made they them were, difficult? Just dirty. Yeah, oh no, just nasty, you know, talking all the time. I think I I'd also believe it was one of them a policeman. I think one of them was a policeman, or both of them. I love that. My God, I used to, you know, Sutton United, are the Gollies playing? Yeah, I oh, know. You know, they were they were horrible, absolutely horrible. But good footballers once again, and you come off the pitch and you have a drink with them afterwards. But on the pitch, fearsome, fearsome. I think Mark Woods actually did. Someone else say Mark Woods did. Yeah, it came up the other day. Yeah. Oh mate, that, they were nasty. Awful. But anyway, it was once again a game of football and you used to be able to kick forwards then, couldn't you? You can't do it anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, best player played with. So it could still be Ross McCulloch, but I'm opening it up no. to everybody. No. Now. 
Rossi was a specific player, you know, and and in, he would he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to play anywhere else. Rossi, uh, yeah, that is perfect for him. <sighs> Best player. You know what? I'd I'd have to go for Ginger Butler. You know, I think he went on and played pro at loads of pro pro Maidstone, clubs as well. Did he get, was it Maidstone? He went on Maidstone, but I think he Cambridge, uh, mm. lower league, yeah, lower league stuff. But he 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 had several clubs. But I, I think skill wise, and you know, he can finish as well. But um, I think Ginger was probably yeah, probably the best best player at, at Windsor, definitely. But um, you know, you, you could choose so many. Like I said, they had so many good players. John Mitchell, good Lord. Kevin Mitchell, you know, if you call player Kevin, then he's the best goalkeeper I've ever played with. John Mitchell, best right back I've ever seen, let alone play with, you know. They're fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, that's what made it successful, really. Really good. But, yeah, I think Ginger, Ginger Butler, Steve Butler. Um, No one else really can compare with that skillful-wise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last last question. Of all of those FA Cup games, what was your mm-hmm. favourite? Do you know what? Burton Albion. Mm. You know, I, I know it's Bournemouth and all the professional clubs and all that, but the sense of satisfaction when yeah. we won there as a team, you know, after that, I mean, we were out on our feet, Michael. We were out on our feet. How we got away with the win, I never know. I'm convinced they would have been Bournemouth. I'm absolutely convinced they would have been Bournemouth at their place um, yeah, if they were if it was them rather than us through. But uh, that sticks in my memory because of the feeling after and the fact that we just out, absolutely out on our feet. We did everything to win that game, and we did. And that emulates the whole Windsor and Eaton team spirit. Team spirit got us through that day. Nothing else. No skill. No fitness. It was just team spirit. Nobody wanted to give anything. Brilliant. And that's what made that squad so special. That team yeah. spirit. Yeah, yeah. And and like I say, we were together so long. That, that really did help. Really did help. Chris, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Really appreciate, honestly, so many great stories there for us all to remember. So a huge thank you. Very kind of you, Michael. Very kind of you. But I, I would like to thank you for doing what you've done with the book because I think it's absolutely fantastic. And the fact oh, that you can get the children's hospice is absolutely brilliant. And I can't uh, recommend the book highly enough. And I can't thank you for doing it. So it's brought back loads of memories to a lot of people. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate no that. No worries. no worries. And to all the supporters, um, thank you once again for listening and, and downloading. And we'll be back again soon with uh, with the next guest. Thank you very much. <laughs>